Open up your books, you bad apples. Bit of a slap Yippee. for you. See, I wanted to say Yippee Kaye right away, which is uh, from Die Hard, but that's a Christmas movie, and it's not Christmas no more. It ain't Christmas, Christmas no more. The holidays are over. Done with. Yep. We're back, or now we're on to the season of the Capricorn. Capricorn, for real? Yeah, aren't you a Capricorn? No, uh... You're Sagittarius. Aquarius. Oh, yeah, you know what, now that you mention it, it's so obvious. You're such an Aquarius. I know, it's all my personal traits. Aquarius. Lucas Nord here, Bad Apple Book Club podcast. And I'm Cole Lang. And, uh... We're kicking our shoes off this week again. I mean, we're still here recording, but I didn't have to read anything this week. Even though, uh, I should probably start off by saying this, we forgot to announce the next book at the end of the last episode. Yep, we did. Oopsies. Without further ado, Cole, did you want to tell us your next pick for the Bad Apple Book Club podcast with Cole Lugan? It's going to be I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings by Maya Angelou. And let me just say, I'm about 40 pages in right now, and it will definitely... I mean, have we covered two books that are similar in any way? This one's like an actual autobiography, though, or whatever, so that'll be a real change of pace. It is an autobiography, but doesn't feel like it. She's just really good writer. Yeah, no, it's... Uh, I don't understand some of the things she's saying, because it's whatever. It's an older book, but what a interesting perspective to read through the eyes of you know something that both of us couldn't relate to if we wanted to you know no so thankfully uh we have this book to give us you know to kind of sit us down it, but i'm enjoying it so far Me i'm too. A, uh got about 100 pages left but i have about 250 pages left myself oh easy easy honestly you know uh, I never wanted to, like, get caught up to where, well, my idea when we started doing this was that I would always have the book finished a month before we recorded, but baby, you know, uh, I was cutting it close with Charlie and the Chocolate Factory every week, and maybe that's the way to do it. I don't know. Who has the time to read anyway? <laughs> the grind is real. The grind is real. You know, mm -hmm. it's like a deadline. I'll literally, the day before we record the first episode of that, I might just have to like sit down and charge through the whole thing in a couple hours. And I wouldn't have a problem with that either. It is a good book. I just have a low attention span. <laughs> We're here to talk about Charlie and the Chocolate Factory by Roald Dahl. He was an anti-Semite that wrote some classic children's books. Did you have anything that you wanted to get us started with here, Cole? You got any thoughts on Charlie Bucket? I mean, we're going to talk about the movies too, but I think we should probably discuss the book a little bit before I burn the whole episode down. Pretty pretty good book, I'd say. I really like Roald Dahl's universe of books. Uh, Cinematic universe? Yeah, <laughs> the MCU. Yeah, we're getting a BFG Willy Wonka movie in the next couple of years. A crossover film. Yep. I like how dark it is. There's a lot of dark humor and just it's not it's not your average children's book, you know, it's just it's like the Grimm brothers. It's absolutely you know, I don't think that they could publish this today and sell it to whatever the um age range is intended for it. But yeah, you know, 
Augustus Gloop gets sucked into the pipe, and Willy Wonka says that he's going to be chopped into a thousand pieces by a thousand knives. Doesn't really seem like something you could put in a book these days. Uh, well, I mean for kids or whatever, but, like, it's also not super explicit, but, like I said, you know, it's a little edgier uh, than stuff you might see on the shelves these days. I, I don't know. I, I gotta counter your arguments because uh-huh. I, I think that uh, I think that kids love this stuff nowadays. I mean, growing up, a series of unfortunate events was like one of my favorite things. I feel like you know that dark stuff has a lot in common with this. I, I just feel like uh, you know we we grew up with nine eleven and we've just been cynical ever since. You know, we just wow. have we we we're not. We don't want the happy shit. Uh, we want the dark stuff. Well, I mean, there's a room for happy shit. Yeah. Uh, I suppose it is more popular among some circles these days, you know. Uh, Game of Thrones wasn't a laugh a minute, and it was the biggest TV show on television. Yep. Still a good show. But yeah, you know, once again, I'm not saying that kids don't like it or something like that. I just feel like a lot of that dark humor wouldn't fly so much you know what i mean but is yeah, it even so dark yeah. in the first place i guess plus willie's kind of a jerk but i love him in the book and for other thoughts on the book it's just a really good theme of like you know the good humble kid wins in the end and all the bratty ones lose and you know there, there's just you can't get more black and white than that no it's uh it's just a good way to live your life you know Yeah, you know, be a good person or whatever, treat others with respect, all that crap, yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. I gotta say, though, uh, I talked about it when we started recording. I didn't have any idea that not only would it not have the dark humor, but it's also just a much different book than I expected. Every other one has been, too, but um, this is kind of cool because it's a nice, simple read, but it's still, like, obviously dated with how it's written, you know what I mean? I think that's a lot of fun. Still a timeless classic. It's kind of like Spongebob, maybe. Enjoyed by adults and children alike. Yeah, it really is timeless. They tried to make it uh, with the films to make them timeless, but I got some opinions on that. We'll we'll get to. (laughs) Yeah. I also spoke about how through Charlie being such a perfect child in the book, he's almost non-existent because all the other kids take up the take up the big screen, you know, they all have their quirks, Augustus is fat, Mike TV only watches TV, Veruca's a spoiled little brat, and Violet is always chewing that gum. She's been working on that one piece for three months straight, you know, she just puts it behind her ear when she eats. Gross. But through that entire thing, Charlie, I mean, if anything, he's like, yes, I'm a good boy. And then it's right back to... Mike TV jumping in front of the giant camera to turn himself into a tiny TV child. Yep. <laughs> oh, Mike TV. Did you have a specific kid that you liked the best? I mean, I don't even know if Charlie's an obvious answer, but maybe? I guess as far as the best character, yet yeah, Charlie was, you know, the nicest, whatever, but I guess I really like the Mike TV, Willy Wonka relationship. Yeah, so I'd say Mike TV for sure. Man. Yeah, Mike TV's fun. I always liked Augustus Gloop just because uh, his name is Augustus Gloop. And his song in the Johnny Depp movie, after rewatching it, 
it's actually pretty awesome. Oh, yeah. A lot of the songs in that are pretty fun. It does have a lot of fun songs. And the original has some songs, too, that are... Uh, some of them are interesting. Blah. Um, <laughs> honestly, though. Oh, my God. Would you want to start talking about the original film? Shoot. What do you got to say about it? I totally forgot it was a musical. Really? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of music in it. Not all of it was that great. But as far as the movie goes, it wasn't terrible. I'm on a night shift schedule now, so I've been trying to adjust my sleep schedule. And I fell asleep through multiple parts of the movie, but I rewinded it. I watched it again. There, there's a lot of weird little changes between the Ugh. movie and uh, the book. Not all of them that make sense. I wouldn't even necessarily say that I don't like the changes. Or wait, no, that's exactly what I'm saying. But it's not because they're different from the book. It's like, for one, Willy Wonka in the book, he's, you know, this weird guy. He's goofy. He's got a top hat. But Gene Wilder literally looked like he was ready to, like, murder someone through the entire thing. And I guess people like that about it. Especially during the tunnel Hashtag scene. Hashtag not my willy. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, not that Johnny Depp did any better, for the record. Yeah, he's a different take. But during the tunnel scene, oh my gosh. I Yeah, I was reading up on some fun facts, and the kids and the actors in that boat thought that he was going to kill them like during that scene. And it's pretty intense. Uh, if you haven't seen the movie in a while. It is intense. Uh, it's, yeah, kind of scary, too. Interestingly scary. Yeah, I thought Gene Wilder did pretty, pretty good. I thought he played, like, when I imagine Wonka, like, just from the pictures from the books, I thought he looked pretty, uh, similar. Yeah, not a bad look. Yeah. Once again, Johnny Depp's, uh, everything about everything is so awful. Um, but before we get to that, it does have songs, there's fun musicals, some of the bigger deviations between the story are very jarring. I'm pretty positive they only had Charlie and Joe drink the fizzy drink so that Charlie did something, but it was so weird when it happened in the movie, and then it, and then it, it set up like... Willy Wonka to yell at him, but then he's like, oh, never mind, I'm, I'm not angry, I don't hate you. And, uh, like I said, I'm really trying not to let my reading of the book affect it, but the deviations are just so strange. I was waiting for the fizzy lifting drinks during the book, you know? Yeah, which, it's in the, it's, it's in the book, but they don't drink it. It's mentioned when the Oompa Loompas took it. They pass the room going down the hallway before they get to the TV room, I believe, and Willy Wonka talks about how one of the Oompa Loompas drank some and kept floating and never stopped. He's a madman. That was like the biggest change I have a problem with because now it's like, oh, now you have this like outside, you know, guy who's trying to steal the recipe for the gobstopper and now that's going to be a redeeming quality is that you don't give that to him at the end of the of your trip like i don't know it's just weird it's a cartoon movie whatever but i just gotta say uh, that guy's ability to know where the tickets were going to be at any given time was pretty incredible because he was right there every time someone opened one yep and 
Uh, he he's also the guy that stars in Indiana Jones. No way! Is he the guy that gets his hand burnt? Yeah. Wow, he looks yep. like it. That's really funny. Yeah, you did bring up. Uh, I so I looked up a few conspiracy theories on the original. Um, not too many good ones. There is a really good one, but I'll save it for Ooh. later. Uh, but that that was one of the theories that um, it was predetermined. All the kids were predetermined. Uh, because he's there, like, right when they open up the dang chocolate bar and he's, like, sniffing their ears, he's like, now tell me what the recipe is for the cop stopper. Once again, because, yeah, that character was an invention of the film. But, yeah, he did offer every single one of them. 50,000 smackers for an, everla- an everlasting gobstopper or whatever. They looked really fun. Um, I don't remember thinking that mm-hmm. the candy room was as extraordinary as I thought it was. A lot of plastic. Yeah, uh... yeah, those mushrooms. <laughs> Everything is eatable. Well, how about you try to take a bite out of one of those big mushroom umbrellas then? <laughs> so, uh, that actually brings up a fun fact about the candy room. So the Chocolate River was actually real chocolate. Oh, that did not look like chocolate. <laughs> that looked like sewer water. <laughs> Yep, and so like towards the end of production or whatever, it started to rot, and yeah, like all this milk and cream and everything. <laughs> Who would have thought? And and I don't know if Augustus had to oh. dip into the water when it was smelly, oh. but it's been caught on the record where uh, the actor said it was quote. Dirty, stinky water. So. Yeah, it looked like dirty, stinky water. Once again, they're like, oh, Wonka, it looks like your uh, sewer system backed up and your river is full of shit. <laughs> and it's like, you know, I know that's supposed to be chocolate, but that's not chocolate. <laughs> no. No. And another thing, another thing about the movie, too, is, um, well, I mean, they just put that fizzy lift and drink thing in there purely for the sake of having Charlie and Joe have some screen time or whatever. But it's really weird too, because they just float up and get right back down and they're like, Oh, okay. Well, I guess that's all there <laughs> was to that. Yep. Yeah. Wonka doesn't even catch up in the act just randomly at the end. He's like, I know what you did. Yep. Now I got to clean the windows. Yeah. Right. Uh, got to sanitize everything. What did you think of the opening sequence with the chocolate bars? Very interesting. For the original or the new one? Original. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, and I guess like there was twenty there's like two thousand fake chocolate bars made for the movie. Out of wood. Made out of what? wood. So that was interesting. So I have a few fun facts, but were there any other thoughts you had on the original? Um, You know, as I was sitting there watching it last night, I wanted to specifically write the ideas down that were different or just stood out in general. And I didn't do it just because I didn't want to hinder the movie watching experience. Um, But I think the fizzy lifting drinks was one of the big ones. I think that... They did some other tiny little changes that were particularly strange, even though I'll actually get to more of those when we talk about the Johnny Depp one. So if you wanted to get rolling with your um, fun fact, go nuts. I got a few of them here. So it was actually filmed in Munich, Germany. All the scenes were filmed in Munich except for the last scene when they're floating in the glass elevator. Ah. 
that was filmed in Nordlingen, Germany. Ah. And this actually served as the inspiration for the town on Attack on Titan. Whoa, I love that show. Yeah, so that was really interesting. Why? It, it's like a... Because it's a... Like a crater, there, there's like this giant crater there, and it's like this perfectly circular city that has a, has a wall, and it's like one of the last cities in Germany that actually has an intact wall. Wow, that's so. pretty awesome. Could you recognize Germany from the like overhead shots? You'd think they would try to like, you know, uh, hide some of the things that make Germany, Germany. Uh, but they did not. It's interesting because they didn't show that many cars in the film because they wanted it to be timeless uh, and kind of like a, you know, mysterious location, uh, unnamed town, whatever. So on one of the airplanes, it actually shows Munich Airlines or something, Munich Airport. And there's multiple posters for Lufthansa, Lufthansa, uh, which is a airline here in Germany, their biggest one. And on uh, multiple businesses, it has like the, uh, it has this thing, FDIC, is that the thing for businesses that... I believe so. Yeah, so there's multiple businesses in Germany that have that, but it's called, uh, it's just GmbH, which I don't know what it stands for, but it's the LLC, whatever. Um and so yeah it just seems like they filmed it in munich and was like oh we'll just keep up all the promotional stuff for our airlines and stuff and not really try to hide anything so i thought that was kind of funny it's also just one of those things too you know where it is kind of funny that they try to hide where it's from when they show the architecture and a lot of people don't notice that kind of stuff i suppose i know i don't even remember seeing an airplane in the movie and i watched it last night yeah, I was on the lookout. <laughs> I was aware of the fact that it was shot in Germany, actually. I was just watching a YouTube video about the exact thing right before we started recording here. Um, overall, I think that it's like a pretty interesting movie. It's so different from the Johnny Depp one, too. And uh, I also won't stand for anyone calling the Johnny Depp one a remake. It's just based on the same source hmm. material. Plus, Roald Dahl wrote the screenplay for the Gene Wilder one, which is interesting. I'm not sure if that means that he was just credited because they bought the book, or if he actually, like, wrote it up himself. That'd be pretty interesting. We'd have a bit of a Clive Barker scenario where he wrote The Hellbound Heart and then adapted it into Hellraiser himself. Kind of, sort of, something like that. Well, he was involved with a lot of the production and like he was seen he, he he was seen on set a lot i don't know like if he was involved with like you know much of the writing or screenplay but um he was there but he hated the film well <laughs> when it was released he did not like it it was on his uh tv in a hotel room one time and he turned it off supposedly uh because he didn't know what the movie was, and then he's like, oh, God, this is an adaptation of my work, and he turned it off. Awkward. <laughs> yeah. 
And so when he was on set, he actually like scared all of the children because he's just this big, scary guy. <laughs> That's probably rambling about the Jews. Oh like. my God! Seriously, though, <laughs> what? A, that's such a yeah. moment. But once again, even though his story is so black and white, he himself is not such. Yeah. Um, so I have a few more facts. So for the casting of Willy Wonka, Monty Python was considered the cast, um, but they decided that it wasn't a marketable decision for an American audience yet. Uh, because Monty Python and the Holy Grail, the you know the film that introduced America to it, uh, didn't come out yet, and so they weren't that well known. Is it actually funny? I like it. There's some funny stuff. Of course, it's actually funny. People love that movie, but I've never seen it. it it's worth a watch. Just a yeah, British humor during that time was very funny in my Interestingly opinion. Interestingly enough, too, actually, a fact I did learn from watching that video about the movie is that uh, I didn't notice, but there are a lot of British people. And a lot of the humor is very strange. Like the teacher. What the hell is that guy talking about like the entire time he's in the movie? We're doing our Friday test Monday and Monday's yesterday, so we aren't doing our test. What? Yeah, just, I don't know. There is no need for that teacher to be in the movie. Like, there's just some scenes that are so weird. Yeah. Uh, Gene Wilder, he took the role and under one condition, I don't know if you knew this, but, uh, he said that when he's first introduced to the children, when he's walking out on the red carpet, you know, to the gate to introduce himself, he wanted to look like he was, well, crippled or, you know, just hurt. Lame. Um, yeah, and then he did a somersault, uh, to kind of give the audience and the children like uh you can't trust me you know i'm a little little tricky i particularly thought it was interesting that when he exited with a cane everyone was staring at him like he was a leper Mm. i mean he's he's just a man with a cane (laughs) everyone was expecting him to everyone was expecting him to come out of the factory jumping a rope or something like that yeah with a nerd's candy rope (laughs) yeah yeah nothing wrong with that you know (laughs) It's just, it's so funny because, like I said, they were all just standing there and it was showing all their reactions like, uh? <laughs> yeah. But, I don't know. It's a fine movie. Very weird. So, a lot of the Oompa Loompas came from outside of Germany. They didn't really speak much English. So, you might see in the movie that some of their singing is a bit off. I think it was lip-synced. It had to have been. Uh, <laughs> I guess they partied a lot. They took on the town a lot. I hope they kept the makeup on. Yeah. Yeah. Good makeup. It is good makeup. Pretty good. And they actually had one female Oompa Loompa. What did you think of the deviation between them being like um, tree people in the book, wearing leaves and deer skins compared to the orange skin, green hair um, overalls look? I guess I kind of prefer the movie version. Yeah, I do like those Oompa Loompas a lot. Yeah, it just kind of fits the, you know, candy wonderland aesthetic more than uh, Native American approach on their stuff or indigenous approach. Yeah, right. Even the Johnny Depp one is really weird. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was interesting too, actually, before we get to talking about that, they had Willy Wonka call the Oompa Loompas 
different ways in all three of the stories. Do you do you know which three ways those are to like get one's attention? You know when he or to go find Veruca in the furnace and all that crap. Mm-mm. In the book, he snaps his fingers. In the Gene Wilder movie, he blows like a little flute or something like that. And in the Johnny Depp movie, he just makes weird mouth sounds. Thought that it was kind of interesting that they, uh... I mean, I did like the Gene Wilder, the little flute thing he was playing. That was fun. No, that is interesting. Yeah, I just got... I just have one final fun... Or two final fun facts. Um, So, the cast was all well-behaved... And you know, pretty good except for one child. Can you one child actor? Can you guess which one that was? Charlie is too obvious. Is it Charlie? <laughs> no, it was actually the Mike TV. Yeah, that kid did look like a little serpent. <laughs> yeah, very annoying. Gene Wilder said that you know production was, overall was pretty great, but the kid was really annoying. Yeah, he uh, he was showing real resentment towards him on the screen. Yeah, probably real. <laughs> it must have been nice for him to be able to take his aggression out and be like, yeah, don't worry, I'm just acting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'd be nice. That'd be a good excuse. Oh, I'm an actor. Uh, you know, I'm practicing my acting. I don't really hate this child. <laughs> my final fact for the original movie is that when it was released, it wasn't like crazy successful. Like, it was okay. But it wasn't until it was televised and released on VHS until it got pretty popular. Very nice. That, uh, that's the case with a lot of some of my favorite 80s horror movies. Um, awful theatrical run. Then it was a cult success when it went to the video store. A lot of those movies started off uh, not turning a profit in the first place through their theatrical runs. No particular Interesting. no particular one comes to mind right now, but it's happened plenty of times. Um I, I guess the most famous one not a horror movie. Well it depends on who you ask, but uh the original um Yellow Brick Road movie Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz. <laughs> yeah. It was uh you know, it was somewhat popular, but then uh it was just shown on TV, like uh, just fed to you the all the time when TV first came out. I even remember catching it on cable, you know, a hundred years ago back when I was a kid. Ugh, cable. Gross. Different times. Yep. Different times. Did you wanna yep. discuss the Tim Burton version? No. Yeah, what did what did you think about it? I think that it captures the tone of the book a lot better, for one. Johnny Depp is completely awful through the entire thing. Uh which yeah, that's kind of a bummer when the like the main guy is not good, but he's so weird looking. I don't know why he's reading some of the stuff off cards. The storyline with his dad was really strange. Completely out of nowhere. They got, like, the perfect, like, literal oldest looking man alive to play Grandpa Joe. I appreciated that. And when they didn't show Johnny Depp's face right in the beginning of the movie for whatever reason, I also thought that was really strange. I was hoping that when it got to him, he would have some sort of a, like, horrific burn scar or something. A reason to cover it up, but uh, they didn't do that. I like it more probably, but it's still very strange. Yeah, it's definitely a different take on the original, uh, but that's how Tim, uh, Tim Burton wanted it. He wanted him to be a recluse because he thought 
that's the only behavior that made sense when he read the book because Tim Burton was actually a big fan of Dahl's work. Yeah, he doesn't talk to humans for 10 years or whatever if he's only got the Oompa Loompas in there. So yeah, that does make sense. Yeah, um, so overall that's kind of why he went extreme with the, you know, quiet sounding and, you know, just introverted personality for the Johnny Depp pick. And people have said that it's too cartoony, but once again... Those are the people that don't realize that we're not dealing with a 2007 Rob Zombie Halloween here where the original version is a movie. You know, Carpenter directed Halloween. It came out in 78. It was one of the most successful. No, what was it? Made the most in the box office on the smallest amount of budget. I think it was the most successful movie in that respect until the Blair Witch Project came out. Uh, Don't quote me on that. But... Of course, Carpenter makes the original in 78. It's one of the best movies ever. And then Rob Zombie comes along in 2007 to make it, and he was retelling John Carpenter's story compared to Tim Burton, I guess, retelling the Roald Dahl story instead of the version with Gene Wilder. You know what I mean? So people say that it's too cartoony compared to the original, but it's not supposed to be the original. And... The book is, like, a lot goofier and more cartoony than the first movie is, too, you know? Yeah, that's actually something that was interesting about the production, is that a lot of the uh, producers, directors, whatever, set designers... Well, I don't know about the set designers, but um, a lot of them actually didn't see the original, including Ah. uh, the actor for Charlie, uh, Freddie Highmore, is that his name? I believe so. I like that kid. Yeah, he was in a lot of lot of films when I was growing up. Tim Burton just kind of wanted a different approach, and overall, I think it worked out. Like, it's a definitely a more faithful adaptation. Yeah, the only thing that's different is uh, the whole Johnny Depp dad relationship thing, which you know it, it is kind of weird. The only other thing that I can really think of is Willy Wonka offers for the entire family to move in at the end of the book but uh i guess since he's such a weirdo the johnny depp version i guess he doesn't understand family so that was once again bringing it back to the really weird father thing i didn't completely hate it though it was really funny looking at that kid with the huge headgear oh do you know why that was in there why that kid had the headgear yeah um is it because uh they couldn't afford to cast anyone else for that role and the kid that they did cast had a big piece of headgear on his head. <laughs> the only actor that had a headgear was the cheapest actor they could get with a multi-million yeah, with dollar a budget. No, million dollar budget. <laughs> yeah. uh, so Tim Burton actually had a headgear similar to that when he was a child. So that whole father thing was kind of a uh, nod to his childhood, I guess. That's kind of fun. Yeah. I remembered the opening sequence of the chocolate bars being made so vividly. I didn't... Oh, I guess I didn't know what CGI was back then because it's so obvious watching it now, even though it still looks really cool. Uh, watching the bars flop over the edges and being filled into the, uh, I don't know, trays or whatever and stuff. It's all It's all very neat. I love that opening sequence, and I still think that the chocolate room... Everything in there looked good enough to eat. That's for sure. Yeah, that that was interesting. If you will take note, in the book, 
everyone was offered one blade of grass. Uh, but in both of the movies, he just tells them to go nuts. Another thing, they apparently didn't want to hire actors to play both parents in either of the movies either because everyone only brings one person with them. I guess just to uh, not make it confusing, yeah, there have been like 10 parents. There would have been, um, yeah, two parents for every child. I believe nine in total with Grandpa Joe and Charlie in there. Oh, yeah. Uh, And that would have been a bit much. And once again, you know, the original book... The characters are already pretty thin. They're pretty much just bad kids or whatever, and that's why we see that in the Johnny Depp version of it, Veruca Salt is for some reason... No, not Veruca Violet for some reason is, like, obsessed with competing even though that's no part of the book. And Mike TV is, like, some kind of a genius for some reason. It's more of that, like, we gotta give these guys a little more meat. Yeah, Mike TV, he was... You know, kind of upgraded to a video game nerd, like violence nerd. More uh, appropriate these days. It's so funny watching the kid in the original movie from 71 just like sit there and intently watch TV on a couch. And it's like, there should be a controller. There should be a controller in this child's head. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, video games are bad. Do you have any other thoughts on the film? And I I got a few fun facts on it, too. If they made a version of it where... We've talked about deep fakes before. Maybe if they deep fake uh, Tom Cruise's head onto Willy Wonka, he could redo the performance and it would be a way better movie. Because everything about like the sets and all that stuff I think is a lot better. Johnny Depp is just dragging that movie though. Like, uh, I think that I liked that one better out of the two of them. Once again, I'm hooking a lot of it up to childhood nostalgia too. I love Helena Bonham Carter too. Uh, She plays his mom in the movie, and, you know, that's Tim Burton's wife, of course. And it's funny to note that um, uh, she calls his his father Mr. Bucket. I just, it's kind of funny, they don't get names in the book. And the only time I'm pretty sure they're heard, other than by the narrator, she calls him Mr. Bucket. And he's working in the toothpaste factory. And I forgot about him bringing the weird-looking caps home for Charlie. I thought that was a lot of fun. He's obsessed with the chocolate factory in the Tim Burton version of the film, too, which I thought was kind of interesting because he doesn't really care in the book or the first movie. Yeah. Another thing, another thing that's interesting to note, in both of the movies, when he gets his birthday treat, he shares it among his family, but in the book, he's a selfish little bastard and he doesn't give anyone a taste of his Wonka bar. In the book, uh, they say that he... Peels the wrapper back and uh, just eats it chunk by chunk. But Oh, he savors but it. But in both of the movies, he's like, oh, everyone gets some of the chocolate. Oh. Kind of a funny deviation there, too, I suppose. Makes him more, like, relatable or something. Yeah. More relatable for people that like to share anyway. Yeah. Did you have anything to say about the movie? Do you think Johnny Depp is uh, phenomenal? Do you think Tim Burton is the Quentin Tarantino of our time? Hmm. <laughs> Or is that Quentin Tarantino? Ooh. I, I didn't mind Johnny Depp's performance. I think that's why I get, well, Michael Jackson vibes from him a lot. Because I feel like he is kind of like a Michael Jackson in that Had film. Had to be intentional. Yeah. Tim Burton says that it wasn't. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> the pale face. The Michael voice. Michael who? Uh, <laughs> uh, what? You're crazy. Never heard mm. of him. 
<laughs> I like Tim Burton's work. Like, I'm not the biggest, like, Tim Burton guy, but I definitely respect a lot of the stuff he's done, even though, you know, some of it has been kind of hit or miss, I guess, for me. But if you ever see, like, the original things he's done uh, to adapt, like, the Hansel and Gretel film, I think I might have mentioned this, but it's very dark and it goes hand in hand with Dahl's work, so... I think he was a good pick for it. And so did the estate that uh, owned Dahl's works, you know, the rights to it, because he adapted, you know, James and the Giant Peach. The same people that apologized recently for him being a horrible bigot. Yep. But overall, you know, I really liked the film when it came out when I was a kid. And, you know, the second time around, it's like... Not as good, but it's still good. Still a lot better than people give it credit for, I think. Yeah, lots of bad reviews on it. Yep. But overall, I like it. Yeah, it's a lot more faithful, I think. It is kind of funny, just the tiny things they switch up between adaptations, you know what I mean? Um, I watched a video of someone that watched every Dracula adaptation, from the black and white ones to Nosferatu, which was originally, I believe, a German silent horror film from the 30s which was completely it just ripped off dracula and changed his name pretty much from count dracula to count orlock what someone watched like whatever 30 movies and figured out which one was most faithful well this one kept this character in and this one didn't this one dracula actually does this which he does in the book but he doesn't do it in this one and he found that the most faithful adaptation was also the one that added a bunch of extra unnecessary BS. Kind of makes me think of that right now, you know? Not that the Tim Burton one added so much stuff, but it certainly, once again, a lot of the stuff, uh, even the songs are taken like verbatim from the book, give or take a few lines that are put in there, but uh, the ones in the Gene Wilder film are like, they're, they're just Oompa Loompa songs. <laughs> yeah like that's half the lyrics is Oopa yeah i thought that that was going to be a bigger part i was like okay here comes like the songs and i guess i never remembered those ones i just remembered probably only the first two from the tim burton one uh i didn't like a bunch of the songs but uh i think the augustus gloop one is fun and i don't know they're not all completely awful in that one i don't think Nah, i'm ready to spit some facts about the 2005 one there were some bids, like there's multiple attempts to like make this film since the 90s, but it, all of them were just in development hell. And there's some directors that like passed, it passed through, and one of them was actually Martin Scorsese. But he chose to do The Aviator instead, so such a shame. And so to be casted for Willy Wonka, Nicolas Cage and Jim Carrey were considered. Jim Carrey seems like uh, he'd probably fit the bill pretty well. Nicolas Cage, maybe if it was like an indie film, I don't know. <laughs> you know, he's been in those indie films for a while, starting with uh, Raising Arizona. That's a good one. And so eventually Tim Burton was finally chosen, you know, just because he's 
worked with Estate before and whatnot, and they felt like it'd be a good pick. Very appropriate, too, I would say. You know, his natural style seems like it would fit that well, I think. And once again, I'm sorry, I think you said this earlier, but did you say that he directed The Witches? No, James and the Giant Peach. Oh, oh okay, sure, wow. I still was not aware of that, though. That's pretty interesting. I've never seen it before, but I did not know until you said it earlier that he had worked with the estate of Roald Dahl before. And the family was, like, pretty impressed with uh, that adaptation, so they're like, yeah, sure, adapt this movie. The last one we hated. (laughs) So when he did visit the house, like, obviously, um, Roald Dahl was, you know, he passed, and he, he wasn't there, but his wife was his last wife. He's just hanging around, and he noticed that he had, like, this writing shed in the back, and it looked exactly like the bucket house in the, in the Johnny Depp film at the very end there. So he was like, well, this is the, this is the bucket house. And then the wife was like, oh, just make the movie already. This is brilliant. <laughs> you finally got it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so when he visited there, he actually was shown the original manuscripts from the book. And, uh, well, including, you know, the original African pygmy Oompa Loompas, there was even more politically incorrect stuff, including a child that was named Herpes. <laughs> wow. Uh, I'm assuming that was Veruca. Yeah, instead of a toe disease, you'd be herpes. <laughs> yep. Instead of a wart that grows on your foot. But see, um, herpes is definitely a little less subtle. It's in your face. <laughs> Burton, he casted Depp. And if he wasn't going to be available, he said he would have casted Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Oh, no. <laughs> no, he said that. That's too obvious. That's too obvious yeah. of a choice. A WWE superstar, exactly who you imagine. Of course, you know, he probably wasn't, like, the same household name. Well, you know, he's in, like, all the movies these days, but he was still pretty popular back in 05. But are you... You're not pulling my leg right now? That's what it says on the Wikipedia page. Yeah, very strange. Uh, that's, like, the... Well, I guess not the equivalent of casting John Cena these days, but, you know, it's just an odd choice. Yeah, I think that The Rock, I don't know. I guess I haven't actually seen any of the movies he's been in in the last five or ten the years. The Scorpion King, when, he, when, he, when I saw that, I said, this guy's got to be in the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory movie. This guy is my Willy Wonka. <laughs> yep. Um, so you mentioned that Deep Roy, you know, he plays the Oompa Loompas, all of them. And in order to do this, uh, they used a lot of force perspective. Uh, they do that a lot in the film, which is really interesting. Oh, not to cut you off completely, but that's another thing too. Um, of course they couldn't do it in the older movie, I suppose, but the Oompa Loompas are actually like very tiny in the Johnny Depp movie, they are, like, shorter than his knees or whatever compared to, you know, just the little people from the original film. Yeah. Deep Roy? That's his name? Deep Roy? And you're telling me that the same guy played every Oompa Loompa? Oh, yeah. And they did this with hundreds of shots. And uh, 
So he had to do all these shots over and over to give this illusion of having, you know, hundreds of Oompa Loompas. And he was giving, he was given a million dollar bonus for uh, his performance because, yeah, he did very good. I'd like to say, too, that uh, I am a bit of a film buff. Within the last couple of years, I've been watching more and more, and I'm pretty interested in the process behind it and stuff. Um, I've talked about trauma on here before, and Lloyd Kaufman's book, um, All I Need to Know About Filmmaking, I Learned from the Toxic Avenger, which is just him talking about how to scrape your way through making a movie, uh, which gives you a whole new perspective once again, too. It's really good stuff, but... I did notice watching it that, yeah, he's synchronized with himself the other hundred times, but, you know, he's not shot from the same angle for all hundred of the Oompa Loompas that are, like, hanging over the archway and dancing and stuff, so I figured that they had to have him do the same thing over and over and over and over and over again, especially for how many versions of him there were in some of those shots. There's a lot. Pretty awesome. I remember actually being surprised that it was all one guy back when the movie came out, but now, you know. You could tell because they all yeah. look alike. Yeah. Um, no, so, I mean, so there is a lot of CGI in the film, but whether they could do forced, per- forced perspective and uh, practical effects as far as, like, the chocolate room, whatever, they try to use that as much as they could. And I believe most of the shots with the river was real, too. So that was neat. That's what I was wondering, too. They're stepping on the grass, and you can tell that it's, you know, whatever they made the eatable grass out of and all that stuff. And the river, you know, he's putting his hands in there. They're getting covered in chocolate, all that crap. And I was looking in the background to see when it all stopped. And um, once again, I think it still looks pretty good. Some of the, maybe not like the squirrels or something like that, but some of the purely CGI things that moved in the movie were pretty like yeah this is cgi (laughs) but once again so old 2005 15 almost 16 years ago this movie came out yeah especially the opening scene is like oh yeah that's that's definitely cgi but overall still looking good like i said watching the bars like float down with the parachutes on them it just took me back man (laughs) uh so and yeah during the squirrel scene which was another weird well i guess they're kind of limited by their time with the goose egg thing in the original one they use goose eggs instead of the squirrels golden goose eggs and in the new one they had real real squirrels but there were a few shots where it was cgi but they had I think it was like 50 trained squirrels to hold Veruca down, so that's pretty neat. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, the last fact I have is that uh, in an interview, Johnny Depp said that he channeled Willy Wonka, and I couldn't find the interview. Uh, This was on IMDb, one of the fun facts, but he said that he wanted to act like if this Willy Wonka to portray a stoned George W. Bush, which I don't really see, but uh, whatever. That's who Johnny Depp was supposed to be based on? That's what he said he wanted to portray. Do you mean the President of the United States yep. at the time? 9-11 George Bush, yep. I don't think he captured anything even remotely human. <laughs> no, uh, Johnny, I don't know what you're going for here, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> I actually saw a snippet of an interview with him, 
And he said that he wanted to be like, oh, I'm like a zany kid show host. That's who I'm supposed to be acting like. That's, yeah, that's what I uh, saw like on Wikipedia and stuff. But this was, uh, this is the only, I could only find it on IMDb. So I don't know if it's exactly true. But yeah, I saw that he wanted to be like 80s, 90s, low budget kid show hosts, which I can kind of see. Of course, you know, it's hard to say if either one of our stories is particularly accurate because a lot of this stuff just, it probably started off as this and completely melted into that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, a lot of the times they just, I don't know that they throw stuff at a wall to see what sticks, but your um, original idea can turn into a big game of telephone. For sure. Yep. And yeah, that's that's all the fun facts I have for the 2005 version good stuff i don't know that we said so much about the book but honestly i don't think that there was so much to say because it was such a quick simple read you know what i mean everyone's black and white throughout the entire thing charlie's a good boy maybe i'll read glass elevator one day that sounds kind of neat i wonder if willy wonka is an entity through that entire book we'll just have to read it Yeah, right? It is really funny. I didn't know it was a series right away, but of course, it takes us at least a couple of weeks to charge through a book. You know, Catcher in the Rye turned out to be four parts, um, and that's a whole month dedicated to the one single thing, and there are a lot of books that I want to get around to. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah, a lot of books out there. We're doing three episodes a week starting from now on um we're gonna really put our noses to the grindstone we're gonna quit our jobs yeah right (laughs) yeah that's my idea actually is i'm going to quit my job and then i'm going to just they say fake it till you make it yeah uh i could probably skirt by without making house payments for a couple months until this thing that's not what i'm here to talk about um did you have anything else that you wanted to say I just got one more thing. So I I mentioned, like, I I looked into, like, some fan theories, you know, and there's a few interesting ones, but, like, uh, you know, there was, like, the whole predetermined, all the kids were predetermined. um, Fooey. Which, you know, not not too crazy. And then there's another one which said, like, Willy Wonka was a cannibal. I don't know. Didn't really look too much into that. Maybe, yeah, who knows. Um, But the most interesting one, you guys might have heard of it. It's a really popular uh, theory, and it's that... uh, So, the movie Snowpiercer and Willy Wonka exist in the same universe. Just, you know, the video does it justice. Like, I think it's very interesting. Uh, I won't say too much about it. Like, just look it up on YouTube. Uh, it's very cool, but basically, it's just a whole theory where um, Charlie is the driver of the train in Snowpiercer, and the the main villain, whatever. And it's just a very interesting thing. Yes, I've yet to see Snowpiercer, even though I've heard a lot of stuff on it. It's really good. Another, uh... Bong Joon-ho. Bong Joon-ho. There you go. Yes. Beautiful. Ooh, I was just, I was just thinking about Parasite, actually. Yeah. Good film. That movie's a trip. It's a yep. trip. 
as a Snowpiercer. Yep. And I guess they made I guess they made a Netflix series on it too, but I haven't I haven't watched it. Cool. Yep. But that's all I got. Yeah, you know, honestly, like we said up top, we're just kicking our, our uh, shoes off this week. We're going to be back next week with I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings Part 1 by Maya Angelou. So far, just an autobiography on her life growing up. Uh, I guess I'm not sure when the era is, but of course, you know, post-slavery um, plantation south. I can't remember where is. Well, I don't remember. Uh, it's in Stamps, Arkansas. Some of it. Uh, it varies. Yeah, it varies. Uh, but it's mostly about her growing up, uh, basically post-Depression, Great Depression, America, you know, getting into Jim Crow era. There's a lot to it. She travels, you know, around... <laughs> uh, you know, starting out in Staples, and she goes to St. Louis for a while, and well, we'll we'll talk about it. But yeah, that's that's the next book we'll uh, be covering. Um, I think it'll be about four parts. We'll see. Very nice. And then what are we covering after that? That's your choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't even know what it's gonna be yet, but yeah. I got a couple ideas. Cool. Yeah, always good reads though. Always good picks here on the Bad Apple Book Club. So I I haven't um, despised a book yet, and honestly, I don't know. I can usually <laughs> form an opinion a lot better when I'm done with it. But I uh, I also don't like the idea of picking one up and not finishing it either. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I'm worried to get to that day where I pick up a book and I'm like, I really don't want to cover this. But then it's like a week until I have to do the next episode, yep. and I'm like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's bound to happen if we keep this train moving. Yeah, yep. Snowpiercer. So far, though, so what? <laughs> Did you say Snowpiercer? Hashtag Snowpiercer. Yep. Is that a book too? It must be. No, I don't think so. Oh wow. No. You know, it's always surprising what is and is not based on an adaptation these days. I'm sure. I didn't learn that um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory was a book until. Probably within the last couple of years. There you go. But either way, we covered it. It's dead in the dirt. Charlie is still running the factory to this day, even though that book is super old. So he's super old. Yeah, he needs to find a replacement. And if you need a replacement and you're listening right now, uh, I'll do it. (laughs) I thought you were going to announce five golden tickets, but if you want to... If you want a giant... um, you know chocolate factory that could be kind of fun yeah i don't know i don't know how much goes into electric for that place i guess he's only paying the oompa loompas in chocolate which probably can't cost that much Nah, especially when it's mass produced yep that part where johnny depp chops that giant dragonfly in half with the machete and licks the blood off uh that just for some reason i thought of that right when i was talking about that that's really weird looking and gross um, and then he mushes up the caterpillars in that bowl. It was like King Kong, like the Jack Black Ooh, King Kong film. Peter Jackson's King Kong. Same year. Yeah, I was wondering. I knew it was in the same era because they both had PS2 games. Wow, I did not know that this one had a game. 
Oh yeah, every movie had a game back in the day. <laughs> I played the hell out of the King Kong game, though. Oh, I remember. I think I played it uh, at your place a few times. I bet you watched me play it. <laughs> you would. Um, you wouldn't touch my PS2. Uh, yeah, you, you can't touch it. With that, um, back next week, uh, Instagram, the Bad Apple Book Club. Shirts, anything you want to say for a final message, Cole? Uh, just got to say, ran out of shirts here in Europe, but uh, going to get another supply uh, drop here soon. So uh, hang tight. Still got a few left in the, well, domestic U.S. Uh, yes. So, yeah, that's all I got. I hope you guys have a... having a good year so far uh it's been pretty good so far so um yeah it's gonna be a better year i think even though 2020 wasn't the worst year but uh Hmm. just different you know yeah there you go yeah we're just gonna keep on trucking yep you do the same thing oh Uh, yeah same time same place next week of course. Uh, and with that, everyone, have a good one. Bye. Trouble with that podcast, you call me. Of course. You know, oh, yeah. I can always do nothing with it. <laughs>